So I'm super pumped about today's interview. We're going to talk about your guys' real estate success and failures. We're going to talk a little bit about EXP and why EXP became the home to obviously, you know, your, yourself and your agents. And also we're going to talk really about how the collaborative process has evolved you guys and your team and your brokerage really to the next level and has really taken a one man, one rule, one all, right? You against the world mentality into even though you're not on the same team necessarily, you're in the same company, now you're all working together to make every single person that fits your mentality better. So welcome today, guys, and let's get into it. Thanks. Awesome. I want to talk about your failures first. We're going to go in a row, and I'm going to include myself in this. I want you to go failure by failure, and we're going to do like three to four rounds of it, because I'm sure we have more than 12 failures together in the past <laughs> okay. 30, 40 years. Days. Yeah, days, yeah, 30 days. I'll start it off. So I'd say my biggest failure is when I was 24 years old, I'm sorry, when I was 23 years old, it was uh, April 2010, I really wanted to buy my first property. I'm like, at this point, I had closed probably about, I'm going to give an example, $40 million of mortgage business by 23, right? After taking six months off. So I'm like, well, I've never experienced homeownership personally. I've never personally taken out of a loan. I've given out $40 million in mortgages. And there are people here that are making $60,000, $70,000 a year buying a home. I just made $118,000 in the last six months. I got to buy a property. I bought with an FHA loan, a condo in the South Bronx. I'm like, this is great. It's going to go up in value. It's super cheap. If I buy this condo, payment all in with the maintenance is $1,700 a month. I don't need the tenant to pay the rent in order to afford this payment. So if they ever stop paying, I can still cover this $1,700 a month payment. Oh, gotcha. okay. That's why I didn't buy a three or four family home for two or three times the price. You were hedged. Completely. I'm like, you know, and it turns out that the tenant didn't pay me probably 40 months out of the 120 months and I'm negative 90,000. So my biggest mistake I've made in my life personally from the real estate world is not buying a three or four family in 2010. And I bought a condo strictly out of fear of not being able to collect the rent, which turned out to be the case. It was safer. In your mind, right? Well, why 40 months? So what happens? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> were they like so squatting? The first, so first of all, I had I moved in. because I bought it to move in. I'm like, all right, I'm going to live here. Two bedrooms. Cheap, right? Perfect. If I ever move out and rent it, then I can cover the payment. And it's in an up-and-coming area. It's South Bronx. You know, it's New York City. Mm-hmm. Condo in New York City for 238000 That's a deal. Brand mm-hmm. new, renovated. Yeah. I said, all right, moved in for a night. I think there was like gunshots. I'm like, I fucking I can't live here. I got I to gotta fucking get out. So moved out. Then it sat vacant for four and a half months. Then I finally had to get it work advantage, Section 8 approved. That took another 60 days to get it inspected. Then the lady came in, single mom, three kids. I thought I was you know, helping the world out by giving somebody out of the homeless shelter to come in. She was there for about 14 months paying. And then all of a sudden, the check stopped. She yeah. stopped paying her cut. And then it took me over nine months to get her out. And then the court still wouldn't get her out. And then she moved out, and I didn't find out till about three months later that she actually moved out. She didn't oh, even so tell me. She's up and left. And I got, Jeff, all the, all the stuff's you know, empty. That's an awesome Jacqueline. way to evict yourself. Her, cli- her name was Jacqueline. That's how I would do it. Her name was Jacqueline Rodriguez. And then I had repairs, other vacancies. We had a guy die who owned two of the eight units. The maintenance fee went up over 30%. You name it. Oil bills going high, special assessments, just... Listen, if you own a property for 10 years, maintenance, repairs, plumbing, you know, it all, it all goes up, you know, and every so, time there's a vacancy, you lose, you know, eight to 9% of that income. Now, looking back, you would have 
done better if you bought a three or a four family. Without a doubt. Why didn't you do that then? Was it the down payment? It it was fear. It was truly fear. It was my mortgage business. So remember, this is 2009 and 10, right? I'm 23. So I was getting probably 100 plus calls a day, 90 of which needed serious attention of foreclosure, short sale, underwater, couldn't refinance, got denied. My realtor business was through the roof, boom. And, you know, don't forget, like that was the start of my career of where I put the prior two and a half years of work in right. to get to this point. Right. So I'm like, I can't manage four units. I don't want to have to deal with three tenants. Right. And I don't want to have to carry a four to five thousand dollar plus or minus. Right. A month expenses. Man. And it was purely out of fear. And I remember sitting in my Liberty Tax Office making that decision. And I just put my life savings of sixty thousand dollars on the line. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, look, I could buy this. I could put $8,300 for a down payment. Why not get in the game this way with eight yeah. 8300 at risk? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yours. I mean, I have a bunch too, but just to kind of keep it in the same theme, I think that my, my and it didn't work out to be a horrible thing, and I'll go through the whole story, but my scariest real estate investment was I had the right idea to go buy a 21-unit building six hours west of, of here. I told you not to do that. In Remember Jamestown, New York. <laughs> I told so you. So my buddy Doogie came in. He threw up the cash for it. We were going to refi out 90 days later, the, you know, and, and probably at a higher rate or something like that. But we had a whole plan in place, and, and <laughs> what I didn't know was the property manager who worked for the seller was going to stay on board with us, which I'm like, great, no worries. Was going to quit the day after we <laughs> we closed on it. You mean they were going to stay on board, like living in there and managing the property? Yeah, so they were going to, they occupied one of the offices in it. That's okay. common in and, big areas. Yeah, yeah. and they were going to, and, and when we closed, we realized that they moved all their stuff out and that he just told us that to do the deal. So now we have, you know, 21 units, class D property. Um, in an area that we don't know that's six hours away. You actually called me on your way. My buddy's life savings tied up in it based on my word, (laughs) (laughs) my idea. Sight unseen. (laughs) That puts, so I can lose my own money. When I lose somebody else's money, I have a meltdown. I can't, so I'm having this mental breakdown. I'm like, oh, how am I going to get through this? And what a lot of people wouldn't do, but we we figured the only way out of it was to buy more. So So we doubled down and- knew what we did wrong on that one, signed the property manager at the, another one, the next one into a contract, and we bought another 50-something doors there. So those actually gave us the economy of scale to hire somebody and, and, and just basically re-correct the whole ship, which, which took us a good – it was two years before I took a paycheck from that whole thing. Right. And now it's cash flowing – it's extremely yeah. well. Yeah. So there's a there's a huge lesson, like an oh shit lesson that happened there. That's where you learn um, and grow the most though. Yeah. I mean that's I, I never went to college, so that's my college. Never you know, graduated. like just 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 stuff like that. And I it think that seemed like a failure though. Right? Because if it didn't because it Red, happened, Red didn't get the up. he didn't get the memo of failure. I don't necessarily <laughs> do you think or yours is a failure? But so yeah. look, so I say failure, my plan failed, my mentality failed, my pre-education structuring of life failed. Looking forward now, I'm as valuable as it gets to other people because I can now help and advise and assist them. So I failed based on my initial plan. And look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. I can only share my story and experiences, right? right? So it caused sleepless nights, hardships, ache, agony, pain, you name it, like tons of wasted time where on paper right now, I'm negative 90,000. So if I ever sell it and get all my money recouped and some profit, that will turn into a win. But Mm -hmm. currently, 
It's the biggest. It's one of yeah. the biggest losses. I've when had. I flipped yeah. ninety two Aster, that was so. so those two experiences that, yeah. are like the most sleepless yep. nights I've ever had. Yep. Sweating. Karen and I almost didn't get married. Like crazy stuff yep. because I had so much stress in my life, but I still made one hundred forty grand. Right. So it's like. Yeah, it's, it's, so the it's, failure is the stress. I, it, yeah, the the, the the feeling that in action that I, that's how I'm identifying because to me I, I don't even think of the word failure. I think of as lessons or, or you know you're kind of growing. But mm-hmm. you know, for me, if I'm going to identify failure, it's what creates that horrible feeling. Maybe we'll call that, it like messy real estate life mess ups. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, because you know, you look at Donald Trump. He's filed BK what three times, four times. And I don't think they look so part of his model. Right. Right. That's Again, a fail. That's a BK's loophole, failure to people do a lot of, you know, to a lot of people, but yep. to him it's not. So anyway, I, I just bring that up because that, that's a good point. That was the most overwhelming. Those are probably the two most overwhelming. Oh craps I've ever experienced. And because of like who you are, I mean, you turn them into bigger wins than they would have Correct. been if it didn't happen. Correct. The average uh, person gives up there. Yeah, you could give kills up. Himself, give, give up. Yeah, winds exactly. up homeless. You know, like right. literally, this is real shit. Yeah. Goes through a breakup, a divorce, like. Sitting in the Hoboken bar next to you know the sports club, watching all people walk in while you're pounding you know shots at two p.m. on a Tuesday. Real estate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that time. I I'm a real estate investor <laughs> trying to get back in the game. <laughs> like, buddy, you better get it was a back tough home. racket. Yeah. Dave, yeah. Um, I've got a bunch. Um, I think uh, the one that I want to share because I think it'll be really helpful is the understanding that as as a real estate or as a you know independent contractor at 1099 or an entrepreneur, when you make money, the mistake that a lot of people make is that they think that that's their money. And it's not, it's not their, it's not your money. A portion of it after, you know, getting through only two chapters of this book, profit first should go to you, but a big chunk of it has to go to the government, to the IRS and, you know, your state taxes. And the sooner you become okay with that and start planning and actually paying that real time, the less likely it is to snowball and get way out of control, which could lead you to not being able to take advantage of huge opportunities. And in the beginning of my career, I did make that mistake. And, you know, the thought was this, um, we've talked about this a bunch of times. It's like, I don't know if I should say this on the air, but say I got got one coming for you. The interest rates, the penalties that I was going to get from, from not paying the taxes right then, it was a better deal than this opportunity to go buy this property and flip it. The government was giving me a better deal. Completely. So don't pay it. F- flip this property. Right. right? The, the problem with that is now you've got a big chunk from that profit. Now, almost everything you made on that is not yours because half of it has to go to pay sure. your Uncle taxes Sam. for that property. Yeah. The other half has to go pay over here. So why do it? Right. Just plan for this ahead of time. And I tell my agents this all the time. All of the agents who are on both of my teams, the DeVoe Group and Elevate Dominate EXP, is take a portion of your taxes, take, uh, take a portion of your paycheck, and right now, go put it in an account and quarterly, pay your quarterly estimated taxes. Do it now. Don't fall into that analytical state of yep. like, oh, I'm going to compound it. I'm going to make it make more money because, man, it could, it could get out of control, you know. The thing is, too, when you're at, you know, if you're under 200 or, or under 300, it's like, it's not crazy to write a sixty-five or seventy thousand dollar check at the end of the year, right. but when you start to get to big numbers and they're turning into four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, yeah. yeah. that's where if 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 the if the proper habit is in, in place in the beginning, and and that's where we want all of our agents to go, then yeah, that could that can get messy real bad. So one of the biggest things I could tell you that made the biggest 
mistake on early on, right, was I never graduated school, didn't pay attention to classes that I should have paid attention to that were a relevant future, right, going on. But I went from, you know, 09 in six months, made 118,000, took six months off to try and play football again, came back in 2010, made 181,000, right? So you make 118,000, you're paying, say, 30,000 in taxes, right? You're still making 6,000 a month at 20, 21. Then 180, now you're bringing home, call it 120, right? Now you're paying probably 35% taxes living in New York. Then in 2011, I made over 500,000 on a W-2, right? I'm 24 and I'm like, wait, I just paid fucking 220,000 in taxes this year? Holy fuck, I need to add expenses to my plate. I need to write this off. I need to do this. I need to do this. And before I knew it, I added so many expenses you have one slow down year, you're still paying taxes. Now you go from making 500 to 350. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I'm breaking even every month. Wait, so I just paid 220,000 in taxes last year. I don't get that money back. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that really setting your game plan, setting an expectation of, okay, every year I'm going to make, I'm giving an example. Every year I'm going to make 120,000, right? I'm going to set my budget, my income, my expenses to live off 120,000 and everything above and beyond that's going to go into an investment account, a savings account and really set it that way. You know, I look at all the athletes and celebrities that blow money, go through bankruptcy, you know, Kanye, all these people were millions and millions of dollars in debt before they really hit it big. And you do have to go through that, but there needs to be somebody that sits down and says, okay, you're 24. You probably shouldn't be making half a million dollars a year or a million dollars a year. But here, let me take you under my wing. I'm going to charge you a fee, and we're going to set up a proper plan and budget for you. Someone separate of your mom, your dad, your uncle, you know, your financial advisor, your banker, like a real like, look, I've been there. Let's prevent this from happening to you. Because yeah. you give anybody that kind of money at that age, they're going to fuck it up. You're already yeah. making more money than a lot of the people you would ask you know, and then you don't to, want to listen to anybody. Yeah. It's like, wait, you're 50 years old making 95000 a year. I just made 500000 at 24. Why the fuck am I going to listen to you? Yeah, you're making more, double what your accountant Crazy. is making, and you're going to you know, have them manage your money. Correct. You know, the Correct. thing about it is, like, maybe we could do this on a, an episode later on. We're starting a company um, that's kind of a hybrid of a consulting and coaching company to help agents with this portion. It's me and my, my bookkeeper yeah. um, and CPA. We're, we have this team because – what a lot of people don't understand is there are opportunities. When you said before that, I got to take on expenses, right? You have to make sure that those expenses you're taking on are going to have a return. Correct. You know, otherwise, mine did it. Right. right. <laughs> you were wondering. And, and yeah. the other thing is, too, when you're not a W 2 employee, like yeah. many of uh, the salespeople are probably listening to this, yep. there are opportunities that if you're going to go on extension, file your taxes, pay your taxes in October, or if you're even going to pay them in April, right? There are opportunities for you to. Take the amount of money that you're going to pay, right, and put it into something that's going to provide a very high return, like a short-term easy money loan, sure. right? Sure. Like you can loan that money to a project that you believe in, and that's what we're going to be building is opportunities for us to match. It's capital like contribution, that. And all capital that. contribution. Then you could then you could be getting eight, ten percent on that money. And you know what's fucked up? And then I, you pay. Your I debt. even had those deals out there. I just didn't know to tell my accountant about that. Does that make sense? So like yeah. when I put my sixty thousand <laughs> life savings into the business, I didn't go to my accountant and be like, "Hey, Jim, I put sixty thousand into this, and I should that year where I made one hundred and eighteen, my net should have only been fifty eight. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. But I, know. I didn't notice that. He didn't ask me, hey, did you invest any in businesses this year? Right. No. Yeah. It's like, hey, oh, give me your W-2. 
You're, 20, big, you're 22 years old. Give me your W-2. There's a big gap what? there in, you know? in the industry of people Crazy. being educated on that. Sure. Another thing sure. is that, you know, and a lot of people know about this, but you could set up a SEP IRA, self-directed IRA, sure. right? You set up the self-directed IRA and you contribute, you know, most of us are going to be a max of like 50 grand a year into it, right? So it takes time to build that up to what you're really going to need to retire off of. Right. But when you have a self-directed IRA, if you form an LLC, with that IRA being the sole owner of the LLC, mm-hmm. now you could open a checking account and put all of your IRA money into that checking account and just write checks for loans, whether it's personal for, for loans anything. for friends and family. You can buy properties. I bought properties. 100% of the down payment was from my IRA. And we ended up holding that for three years and flipped it. I doubled my IRA right there. And I'm still contributing. So you can grow your IRA to a million, $2 million within three to four years by just making your maximum contribution and then putting them into investment opportunities. It doesn't have to be real estate. You can lend it. You can sure, do whatever you sure. want to be able to grow that in and of itself, um, which is something that I think is being taught a lot more now in the real estate industry than it was before. But there are a lot of different things in and out that you could do to be creative with it that we're discovering that, you know, like I said, it's aggressive patience. You want Need to figure it. out how to set up your future now. You should coin that for aggressively patient. I see. Patiently aggressive. Patiently aggressive. (laughs) Aggressively patient. Brett, you, Dave, one more, and then we'll get into the next topic. I, you know, I, th- I think for, for me, one thing that I look back on that, that I feel like is a failure. It's not to a lot of people. It it isn't, but I didn't hammer down on the accelerator until 2013 when I, when I joined up with Dave, just really going after it. So I was, I was the young kid who got in at like 21 you know, was making 90 to 120, 130. Like I had good years, but I was also kind of like a single guy out having fun, blowing through money and wasn't hyper-focused until I think I was 26, 27 when I linked back up with Dave in 2013. And we did the goal setting and everything like that. And we really took a deep dive into it. And my why kind of started growing into family. What I had met my, I started dating my wife that year, you know, and until that became crystal clear, my income hadn't really grown by leaps and bounds. So a failure to me is not having a $500,000 a year at 24 years old. It's one thing that, you know, and I can't get it back. So now I just, I'm the oldest guy on my team. Well, I mean, Jason's older than me, but most experienced. I'm 33. I'm the oldest guy. And I love seeing, you know, a 25-year-old kid on my team net 300, Huge. you know? That's Huge. like my that's like my favorite thing because I know... I know how to dig deep into what I learned at 27 with them from when they're 21, 22. It's also a testament to you of creating that environment to give someone the platform to do that. Yeah. You know, I always say like, in my opinion, if you had that person that you looked up to, you could have and would have been that person had they have motivated you or saw what you're doing now in you at that point and bring that out of you. Right. And that's where a true coaching, management, leadership comes from. I never had that. I did it 100% on my own to mm. show everyone else, fuck you, I could do this. <laughs> truthfully. Also, yeah, though, truthfully. He, you did have that environment. not And not just in me. Yeah. But what it was is you didn't believe in your in your why. And when it became crystal clear... Your drive came out and you just 
boom, you hit it. You hit it. Well, what Dave and I and, and Dave was that for me in 2013. But what what we did that was super valuable is when you're when you have a nine hundred dollar month rent because you live with roommates. $350 a month Nissan Maximo on a yeah. lease. You know, like yeah. I didn't have many bills. So 120 grand still goes a pretty long sure. way. When you're real, you can't just say, hey, well, you probably had reasons. Like there, there's deep rooted reasons. You don't just make 500 grand. You have to have like something that's driving that. You know, there's, there's, there's something behind that. Mine were the wrong reasons. Well, but there's, a, honest, re- but there's a reason. There's yeah. a reason behind that. Work. I didn't yeah. have Maybe a reason. Yeah. To make more than that, and until we became clear on that, prove yourself to anybody. Exactly, you were calm. So once you became clear on that, you already knew what had to be done. It was just implementing it hardcore. And when you look at the guys on your team and the girls on your team who are doing this type of volume, like they're working their asses off, like they're hitting the phones every single day, and you've attracted those people who are willing to do that, who you know, who are all like minded, which I think is amazing. That the per agent production, because you're working, you're working only with people who are going to work. Right, you're not going to tolerate people who are not. Even from a management standpoint, like myself, look, I tried when I realized how broken the mortgage business was as early as like November of 2010. Now, don't forget, in 2010, I had two remax at 24, two remaxes, my condo, a mixed use building. You owned two remax. I owned one remax. We had partnership with another. I owned. I owned my own remax. Flew out to. Colorado, bought a Remax franchise, had two Liberty Tax offices, a mixed-use building with tenants, and my condo with a tenant, right? At 20 fucking four. 23, because it was 2010, right? So I'm like, what the fuck? I couldn't have any sleep, couldn't have any peace. I was taking from Peter to PayPal, really earning it on my W-2, putting it into these businesses, not telling my accountant, not writing it off. Like, what the fuck am I doing, right? So yeah. I'm like, I got to try and clone me. Now, I can't bring other mortgage people into the business, right? I have to get people that don't know the mortgage business and bring them in. And I kept trying to, it was like fucking the most miserable time from 2010, literally through 2018. Cause you're like, Brett's a great guy. Brett can make $400,000 a year. Let's go. But Brett can't get himself up out of bed in the morning. Or like Brett brings a deal and then disappears for fucking three days. And now I got to do all his work and Brett wants his full commission, you know? So I would say, let me try and groom this person. Cause I saw like, two or three qualities that you can't train, but I didn't realize the seven or eight or 10 negative qualities that so far outweighed the positive qualities that I would start banging my head against the wall. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What I'm doing? Yeah. Like what the fuck enough, you know, like, wait, you tell me you want to make $200,000 a year. You're going to Bermuda when you have $500 in your bank account. Like that, those two things don't line up. We do that. Unfortunately, those are things that we have to go through from management and coaching and to make ourselves more valuable. But if someone's not fully invested financially and committed spiritually and emotionally into what you're doing, yeah. it's never going to work out. Well, here's the thing. The last six years have been so easy for real estate agents to build a big business, right? right? And they've never gone through what a normal market is. And so you see it now. At all. You did $30 million last year. Hey. Next year, either 18. you're going to do $60 million or you're going to do fifteen. right? There's right. not going to be a, this, this natural right. growth because right. your friends and family are not going to list with you. If they do, you're not going to sell the home. You don't know what to do. So what's the answer to that? What is the answer to that? Is what we've been working on as a collaborative group sure. at EXP. And that's one of the big things why I think this model is causing growth when other models are just causing a natural fall off for me since we've been Crushing it for six years. So let's let's get into then. We'll forget your next failure. Yeah. Why EXP? <laughs> you know, why EXP? 
Many reasons, man. So I always say that there are three ways to make money at AXP, right? The most important one and the main reason why we, we decided to move <coughs> is, is production, selling homes, working with buyers and sellers. Doing Agents tend do. to forget this. I'm going to chime in as you say mm-hmm. this. So yeah. most realtors commonly forget that they still have to list and sell homes. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like that's your business. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But there are agents at EXP and at KW and at other brokerages who just, they don't want to work. So they're going to try to figure out how to just do profit share, just do revenue share. The issue is with profit share, there's not enough profit. You know, that we're going into a shift. So you're going to put all that effort in. And the result is like, look, dude, I was the number one profit sharing agent in the entire Hoboken Market Center in 2018. I made 32 grand. Right. So that's a lot of money to you a lot pay, of people. You can pay an assistant, income, maybe. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not even. <laughs> pay your kids yeah. school, maybe. <laughs> right. If I would have done the same thing and had the same profit share tree at AXP, I would have made over 600 grand. Serious. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, yes. 20 times. Yes. That's sickening. That's got to be sickening for you, though. No, it's awesome. You left it's, 570 on the table. It's an opportunity because, look, nobody had done wow. it yet right. in the Northeast. Right. Nobody had right. done right. it yet. We said if we're the first to do it and we do it in this way that we decided right to do way. it, right, right. we're going to have a major impact and people are going to see the opportunity for themselves, right? And that opportunity is number one. The number one thing is they're going to they're going to work and they're going to sell more homes. They're going to work. They're going to sell more homes. If the other two ways of making money at HP didn't exist, we still would have made the change, right? Because within that first opportunity of, of production, you've got systems, right? You have lead generation systems that most single agents or smaller teams can never afford. And you essentially get it for free. You have training that is not just geographically limited to whoever is reading out of a book right. somewhere right. near you. Who knows right? how the Hoboken market rents out and sells? It's like, exactly. well, what about Jersey City? Or what about, I don't know, Wayne? You know, like yeah, there's other yeah. parts of New Jersey and just how Hoboken ticks. And some of these other brokers sure. have amazing training. KW yeah. has yeah. amazing training. I flew all over the country to get it, right? Because I had to. There was some great training that went on locally, but the big stuff that I needed for, for my business was all over the place. So with AXP, you have that right here. Not only do you have it through the revenue share with 10 people above you that you're in their downline, right? But they're pouring into you, giving you not just a, you know, a model, but actually like do this, push this button, do this, call, do. And here's the result. Like they're giving you their secrets that have gotten them to three, four, five hundred thousand homes sold per year. It's huge. It, it is huge. So within that first way of of making money, which is production, it was a yes for us because of those things and many more things. The second way is through revenue share. And the biggest thing about the revenue share for me is actually not just the money, it's the collaboration that comes with it. And people and Brett and I, you know, we're out in uh, Scottsdale sitting at a table with people who everybody at the table did 150 million per year in production wow. and above. And we're just like, it was Brett and I and Joe Oz. And we're like, they're just talking about like here exactly the things that they need to do. Right. They will get on a call with us and our agents at any point and share with them what they need. You can go into the Facebook groups that are a part of our upline and our downline and get not only answers, but like a full on model of like, here's exactly what you do. Here are the scripts that are working today. Here's the technology that is working today and, and go at it. And then we see agents implement it. There's accountability there and they go. And, and then obviously within the second way of making money, which is revenue share, it's a ton of money, dude. Like, and I, 
you know, like I said many times, I love KW, right? I, I did the profit share thing. Um, I know who my sponsor is at, at KW. His name is Mark Ramey. He's an amazing agent in Orlando, one of my best friends. And he's my sponsor at KW. I don't know who his sponsor is because that guy or that girl never called me and never reached out to me. Not because they're a bad person. They just had no reason to. I'm worth like $20 a year to them. So yeah. that, that culture is just not there. Yet all seven people above me at EXP, they will pick up my phone call before I even joined. They will fly here. They will train my team. They'll do whatever because we're worth a lot yeah, more they're, money. They're invested. That. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love KW to death too. And, and, and not to say anything negative in regards to them, but they actually trained us. I had a pretty good profit share too, but they trained us. That it's not your problem to worry about what's happening with your mentees. There are the people that are coming underneath you. Which is technically it, true. It should go into it should go into the system. It should go into their yeah. But the problem is That's that they're paying their management for, correct? Exactly. So it's coming so, out of your profit. <laughs> whereas whereas for us, it's like, no, we actually we do care. You know, it is it is again, it's not our problem, but I benefit if they close the deal. I, yeah. They help. I, it, and we have experience. And it just creates that. That was a big thing for me too. Yeah, when you realize how much people. Do you think the industry is shifting, like the people with experience versus people with not experience, and the people without experience actually willing to hire someone like yourself to get coaching or get advisory or get some mentorship that they're willing to pay for, other than the revenue share or split for being on the team? Because a lot of people there's, do coaching. There's opportunity yeah. for that, but think about it, right? If you're in my, you know, revenue share treat or whatever you want to call it at exp like i'll get on the phone with you right and and help you like we do it all the time because we're not just about recruiting if i think leadership having experience in selling real estate and in doing more than the people who are looking up to them for leadership have done is key going into a downturn just recruiting to a profit share downline or to a brokerage is not enough these days even when kw has a great you know, some of their market centers have great productivity coaching once you're in that you do pay for. People want and need that collaborative relationship. And with us, we've been there 10, 11 months. There's 350 of us just in our downline, but there's thousands above us who, as we grow, as the agents on our teams grow, as the new agents that join the brokerage with us grow, EXP grows and they own stock in the company. They're getting revenue share from it. There's so many reasons for everybody to just be this big team. And Jay Kinder calls it one big fire, you know, that we're all contributing to together. So to answer your question, yes, experience is key with leadership. Unless you're just recruiting, then it's just, you know, numbers game, throw them against the wall, see who sticks. That's the difference with what we're doing. Yeah. And I also think that in, in regards to agent success, regardless of what what level you're at in the business, if you plug into, like, we have a great culture. You know, you've been on the calls. We do Monday morning masterminds via uh, Zoom, you know, video webinars. We do 10K Wednesdays with Sekou. Uh, Dave's director of growth runs that, and everybody's making contacts. You can go into the office, have a great time. You can just plug in from wherever. I mean, we have agents in Florida. We have agents in Hawaii. It's massive. Yeah, tens yeah. of thousands. I mean, there's, there's people all over it. And if you're in that atmosphere, you're going to want to take action if being the best version of yourself and agent is important to you. Or you're going to leave. Or you're going to leave. So there's a lot of agents that we haven't even reached out to about coming into. Because if you start to get that toxicity, 
within the group, it starts to throw things off. And I don't know what other brokerages are saying or experiencing in this downturn that that is, I mean, it's on paper, like it's happening. It's real. It's documented now. But the results are in. We're just hammering away. We have blinders on. And if your goal is to, you know, double your business, we'll show you how to do it. If you want to do it, it's up to you. If your goal is to stay exactly the same as where you were last year and not run into that like, hey, oh crap, I sold less homes and this isn't going to work for me and go on more vacation, then we can show you how to do that too and build systems around that as well. So whatever your goal is, as long as you want to be better than you were last year or have a better life or more free time, whatever it may be, you know, we have a solution to that and we've done it. It's not like we're just, you know, Tony Robbins says the difference between a mentor and a coach is a coach is somebody who's just reading out of a book and, and telling you how to do it. A mentor is somebody who's actually done it themselves and then they're going to show you how to yeah, do they it live, as they well. They live that life. And um, you accountable. That, yeah. I want you to keep going. But the one thing you said, I think is really important that go, and we said it before, is going into this downturn, it takes almost probably more than double the effort to just stay the same. Yeah. In terms Correct. of your production. Absolutely. Right. And that's not a bad thing. If you want to stay the same, if you're selling 24 homes a year and that works for you, that's great. But you're not, it's, it's probably not going to just happen again. The you're same not going to maintain it. Yeah. 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 That's why I said either if you do 30 deals this year, next year, either you're going to do 60 or you're going to do 15. It's very rare that you're just going to do the same thing and it's going to stay the same. Why? What? Obviously the answer is fear, but. I made a post the other day, based, and this is a fact. I spoke to somebody that's looking to take out a very large portfolio in the Washington, D.C. area. One of the biggest hedge funds that was backing specifically the Washington, D.C. renovation construction project. Oh, that's okay. on my post. They basically pulled out of their warehouse lines funding the guys that were going out there doing the loan. So, for example, they said, hey, you have 75 million line with us. They cut that line down to 25 million. The bank, the broker, whoever you want to call them, had $75 million in commitments out. So they only funded $25 million, for example, of the 75, leaving people that think they have $50 million sitting there that they commitments. don't have out. Clo- clo- close deals. Like their money should be sitting in draws, right? Yeah. So I made the post like, look, guys, this could happen to anybody at any time. I witnessed it personally with warehouse lines with banks in 2008 and nine, seven. right? This is real. And... This person who works for a fix and flip company in New Jersey commented, I don't believe this. Who's the company's name? You're just trying to create fear in the marketplace. I'm like, first of all, buddy, the guy I spoke to, you're never, ever going to speak to him. Okay. He's that far above you. I don't know who you are. You probably make $10 an hour. Like, why aren't you just <laughs> taking this as like, hey, just like, pay the, attention. Like, pay attention. There's just smoke. Listen. Why are you telling me this? Like, this is a very reliable source. They called me in yeah. to underwrite the loan to see if I recommend them buying the portfolio. Like, I'm not sitting here just stroking myself. I don't need to create fear in the marketplace. I would love nothing more than euphoria of happiness because then more people go out, they buy more properties, they do more loans, they call me up and pay me more money. Yeah. Like, why would I tell you something to create fear? I don't make more money, I make less money when there's fear, right? So, why are people specifically in real estate, real estate investors, so like against like the facts or the proof in the pudding of reality? For me, 2008 was such a scary time that I was so worried about another downturn that I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen to my income. And then I realized that not, nothing's, nothing happened at all. You know, nothing's changing. I mean, Hoboken corrected probably 10, 10, 12%. So rebounds maybe, 200%. Maybe 15. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm just saying like in the past yeah, yeah, yeah. 18 months, yeah, yeah. you know, 
and there's just there's a cyclical aspect to everything that that anybody's doing and it's tough to time those swings perfectly but being a part of the game time makes that matter way less so you know for us transactionally it hasn't affected us in any way shape or form but that was definitely a fear of mine and until i realized that clients don't care if their home went down a little bit right. you know you could sell them a home the year prior and it's worth 40 grand less so and it's the one they're buying and it's just and it's okay Maybe they just hold it for another seven years. Maybe they sell it, but they're buying their next home $80,000 less now. Yeah. And you the, know? The, yeah, exactly. And the question is this, like the market's going to do, and this is speaking to a client, a seller, sure. buyer. The market's going to do what the market's going to do, right? It's, it's going to go down and then it's going to go up. The question is based on your motivation, which home would you rather watch it do that from? So if you're thinking of a bit of a hit on the one that you're selling, you're also gaining that same hit from the seller that's selling it there. Sure. So what is your motivation? Where do you want to be? Why do you want to be? In? It all goes back to that. And if you worry, your focus is taken away from that. So my answer to that question is like, just do what works. Don't worry about anything else. Just go to work, talk to buyers and sellers who have to buy and sell, ask them questions and sell them a home and sell their home. Like, that's basically it. And you have to do more of that. It comes back to lead generation, your willingness to do double the amount of lead generation for the, the same, if not maybe a little bit more of a, of a productive result. And everything else just amplifies that. The people you're surrounded by, what are they going to do? Yeah, they're going to give you some training, but mostly they're just going to help you from a, a standpoint of a mindset to stay, keep those goals in front of you and keep doing what you need to be doing in order to get that result, right? What do you recommend for the person that's listening, that's going to be watching, and they're like, I really want to leave my full-time job, I really want to leave my 9 to 5, and I want to, I want to become a successful real estate agent. In your opinion, how should that transition look? And at what point should they get their license in that transition? And at what point should they really just decide, commit, and go all in on being a licensed real estate salesperson? It's so case by case in a lot of different ways. But if I had to say one common theme that I would talk about with all of these different cases, it would be number one, do you have six months of reserves in an account? Meaning six months of what it costs you to live personally in an account somewhere because you're not going to make any money for six months. I would even go eight, right? Because you might not make any money for eight months because think about it. You go through the licensing process, sure. your initial onboarding training. You know, let's say that's 30 days. Then another 30 days to get something under contract if you're really good and you're making your 20, 25 contacts a day. And then another two to three months before that closes. Right? So the best case scenario is somebody who's willing to really bust their ass and, and work hard is, is four to five months of that check. Now, you know, depending on the group you're with, depending on the tools and the systems that you have, yeah, you could make money sooner than that. You could make revenue share sooner than that. You could crank out some rentals if you're willing to put in the extra work so that your sales business still gets the amount of time needed, right? In terms of when to transition, I would say as soon as you have that six months, and this is case by case, figure out, all right, can I take, you know, am I willing to sacrifice a few vacation days and just, you know, find a class where you could go do the two week or everything is even less than two weeks now and just bang it out or, you know, take the nights and weekends class. Somebody who is an admin, um, who, somebody who's a part of my world was looking to rent and they wanted to rent one of my rental listings. And I said, look, let's talk to Frank. Let's figure out, you know, let's talk to Jeff. Let's talk to Frank. Let's figure out what has to happen here for you to buy a three or a four family instead of renting this. 
and she ended up going and getting her license and is going to be buying a three family and living for free plus a little bit of, of passive income um, because w- they were willing to take that correct risk. So again, I think it's case by case. You have to set up the right plan. You have to have the right people around you to make it happen. Um, but it 100% could happen. You just have to put in a lot of work. Yeah, I, I like the all in aspect of it. Obviously, having reserves or having, you know, a wife who's still employed or something like there's things. Yeah, because you really have you have to put time into it or you have to actually treat it as a part time job and or as a full time, a second full time job. So when that, you know, if you have to be in the office by 10, you know, I have agents that are part time that they'll prospect from 830 to 930 in the morning go into their office, answer emails and stuff at lunch. And then when they come back, they're coming to the office at 5.30 and then they'll work till 8.30 or so. You're working, you know, 12, 13 hour days because you have two jobs. So if you want to do it the safe way, it's that, but you're going to certainly be sacrificing a lot. And I see so many agents burn out trying to do it that way. And then they just, they just, do you know how many emails I send out or, or phone calls that I make? And they're like, oh no, I'm a, I'm a part-time agent. And uh, I actually, I went back to work. Like, oh, okay. Well, I'm not doing anything. My license is going into referral. Okay. Well, you're part of the 90% failure rate um, in this business. And then honestly, from that, I think the 10% counts like somebody making 50 grand a year, which is, does. which yeah. doesn't. So from there, it's really like a 1%. Of realtors do ninety four percent of the business, something like uh-huh. that, something yeah. crazy, yeah. like and, that and, high. And the thing you're seeing that separation, like you were yeah. talking about too, where uh, you know there really is that. Like I would say, probably three percent of the realtors make six figures and above. You know, and then Maybe you have less, like the top one yeah. percent yeah. skewing that because yeah. there's you know there's million there's seven figure earners and stuff like that. Also, I I will say this right, and I don't mean this from a recruiting standpoint or anything. The agents who are part of our group. Right. Meaning not um, necessarily on the devote team or the scorer group, devote group or the score group, just part of the XP and part of our mastermind specifically. The numbers are way better than that. What I gave you was kind of national averages, yeah, right? Of There's an agent, Emily Lopez, right? And she was, she joined EXP. She's part of our mastermind and I was her mentor. Um, EXP is a mentor program for your first three transactions. And in her first, I don't know, four or five months, she's got three transactions, two closed, I think, and one under contract. Huge. It's Unheard huge. Yeah. But she's so coachable. She, you know, she says, what do I do? I go, yep. here, do this. Yep. She does it. So we are seeing that success. You're, a lot of people that you know that are part of our group, I mean, it's sped up and it's so amplified. If it's they the ones that want to put the work in and, yes. and be coachable. I think that's key. And everyone yeah. wants to kind of do it on their own. And it takes a very, in my opinion, select person to be able to go out there, have the balls to do it on their own and consistently do it on their own, right? Your average person doesn't have that, doesn't know anything and thinks they could do it on their own because they have too much pride, ego or whatever the case may be to just basically go on and join a team or an organization to get all the resources and training and even accountability that they don't possess on their own. So I think people like really took that for what it's worth and understand that there's a cost to being successful if you can't be successful. You know, if you've been doing this for five years and you're not successful, you're probably not on your path to success. Truthfully, yeah. five and, uh, years not being successful, like you should join a team. An easy five years. He, right. He brings up a really good point too. EXP, if you've done less than four, and a lot of companies don't do this, so they'll just send you out to the wild, but EXP, if you've done less than four deals in the last 12 months, they make you sign up for a mentor. They should. Dave and I are both certified mentors with EXP. And so, 
And Sekou, too. So it's like you actually have, if you're coming into our world, you have the choice to work directly with us as your mentor, too, to make sure that you're getting sure. you know, to that level. I had an agent call me yesterday, and he's like, oh, these new EXP agents, I get, they're, they're sloppy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, is that, do you believe that? Yeah, would you talk you, to one you, of them? Do you actually believe <laughs> yeah. that? He's like, well, I can't find the guy's cell phone yeah. number anywhere. And I was like, well, where are you trying to find it? And he's like, he's got a listing on the, the MLS. Pages. And I was like, okay, well, Look up the MLS. let me click on, and, and he, he was Googling me, couldn't find him or anything. I'm like, well, let me click on his thing and I'll find his email and then I'll plug his email into Google. His cell phone number popped up 47 times and I sent him a picture of it. And I was like, let me know when you're ready to get mentored because <laughs> I just solved your problem yeah. in two or seconds. Basic computer and you're just <laughs> complaining about shit. Yeah, it's like. I don't well, that's people. Let me yeah, Google that for you. Yeah, yeah. They have bad experience with one person. Oh, EXP sucks. Yeah. Like, what, what are you talking one about? One second, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah. I think you know when you have a, a model like this and a company like this who is growing at the rate that they're growing, um, and there may be a, a decent handful of of agents who are doing it the wrong way. There's there are a good amount who are doing it the wrong way who may not be a part of our group or a part of a good group, um, and and somebody sees that they're. Like I said, it's going to be amplified. They're going to they're going to blow up about it. I think a lot of that has calmed down now that people have seen what what we can do to help them. Because our message to cooperating agents is always like, "How do I become your favorite? How do I make this transaction as easy as possible for you? Tell me how I can do that, and I'll make sure that we do our best to do it." Right. So building that relationship with the agents that you're doing business with is so key. Being that calming yeah. element in a transaction, it's not easy because there's so many assholes out there, but it will. Immediately and over time will create that way for people to look up to you. And when you have an event, when you, when you have something, they're going to come and they're going to listen and they end up joining us. It was funny. My, uh, my friend wanted to buy a property in Jersey City. So he's, you know, uh, he has me on the same group text with the realtor and she's sending over like proof that she texts the listing agent. He's like, what's going on? Why can't I get into it? Why can't, why am I not seeing this property? Like it's for sale. Like it's not accepted offer. And literally two days of text messages. Right. So I'm like, who the fuck's the realtor? Now I get fired up because listen, common courtesy, Hey, property's not available. Hey, sorry. But like, don't not reply. Like, you know, like you can see the messages go through. So she sends a screenshot with the guy's information. I happen to be friends with this Momo on Facebook. I go and click, like, I don't know him, but it's one of those, like, oh, how the, who, who the hell is this guy? I click, and he's posted seven times that day, commented on 15 different statuses. So I went back, and I sent him a picture. I go, tell this fuckface, like, if he can comment on Facebook, reply to the text messages, and you know that he's not dead. Right. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, just a simple reply is common courtesy, you know? And yeah, he doesn't know yeah. who this client is. He doesn't know who anyone is in the transaction. He just elects not to reply, but wants to comment on irrelevant Facebook posts. You know, that's and I think like yeah, teaching that culture of just literally common courtesy and respect. Yeah. Who knows? And also like for the sake of our clients, yeah. right? Sometimes we just have to accept that they are an asshole and do their job for them for the sake of the transaction. Right. And right. and sometimes we get so attached that's I made to my it money. that it's like, doing other people's jobs. Oh, I'm going to show, oh, yeah. I'm, you know, like, whatever. But it's like, you know, just do it, Google it for them. And then just maybe send them a message saying, hey, I know you're super busy, so I went ahead and did this for you. Right. Sometimes, boom, people's attitudes change on a dime. And then they go, I've had this happen so many times where people have sent me messages or replied to threads like with comments about me or that they don't even know me. Right. You know, I reply a certain way and they reach out to me and message me and go, sorry, like I really, you know, I, my production hasn't been what it, you know, I'm struggling. There's always something that. going on with them. Yeah. Yeah. So you never know what people are going through and it's frustrating after two, three, four times of it. It's like, all right, 
Enough's enough. Less an asshole. Yeah. But, you know, there's always an opportunity to help, I think. And there's always opportunity to be open to, like, just people just doing the best they can. And sometimes that best they can is not enough. And they need help. And I think that's why we've grown the way we've grown is that we're really open to that. But if it turns out they really are an asshole, then we, we don't want them. Yeah, we walk to away. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. And unfortunately, that's just out there so much with the non-responding, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It, it's crazy. Yeah. One of my favorite things, if any realtors are listening, I love go, we'll go on whitepages.com or something and I'll just say, hey, haven't been able to get a hold of you. These are the three numbers I'm showing for the <laughs> owner. Which one should I call? And then they respond. Yeah. You know, it's like. <laughs> that's a good one. It's, but it's crazy. You know, and it's unfortunate you, you have to go that happens route. to these real estate companies for example, in Hoboken on Washington Street, that have these big, heavy overheads. They have these big rents. You know, they have admins, all these people that work for them, right? Janitor, whoever. What happens to these people as time goes on? I mean, there's no way your average real estate company can pay five to ten thousand dollars, if not more, in rent per month and succeed with what's about to come, especially with margin compression and agents going elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. But there's still a lot of agents too, though. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of agents that aren't looking to move, and they're so they're so brand loyal, and I and I totally respect that and appreciate that. I've been to five different companies or four different companies. Keller Williams is actually the one I was at the longest. It was four years, just under four years. And and I told my broker that I was like, "You guys did great because I lasted four years. That's right. really good." Yeah. You know, and 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 EXP is is a brilliant model, in, in my opinion, right now, when I saw it, when I really took the time and and made my own business vulnerable and kind of took the ego out of it and said, Hey, let me see if this, is this really what's best for me, for my agents, for my family? Then, then that made sense. But that's not to say something better might come along in four or five years. I hope it doesn't. Cause I love being an EXP, but that sort of thing happens. And that's my mentality. There's a lot of other agents though, that they really like where they're at. They like being super comfortable um, and they're making great money. So the company's making great money off of them with the, with their uh, commission structures and I think they'll survive. And then, you know, the bigger ones at least. And then the mom and pops that are there, they've been in town for so long that they probably own the building they're in. Right. They own seven other brownstones they bought right. for 20 grand in the 70s. They're just, when they throw it in, they're, they're good. They're retired, I would imagine. You I know? have a little bit of a different take. I think a lot of that I agree with. So I think the, the companies that have opened like somewhat recently, right? And their model was to just, pour money into the agents and into these, you know, systems. They're going to help the agents grow business. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's going to be getting rough. Money back. Oh, I t- yeah, you want my unsugar-coated answer? Yeah. No, lie to me. <laughs> Did I go? I go. I think Weikert, Century 21, Caldwell Banker, those will all be out of business. I think KW is still going to be there. Remax will still have the How pro. about Compass? Compass hasn't come to our area yet. Their model, yeah. from what I've heard, and I've never really looked at it because it doesn't exist hyper-locally uh, where, where we are in New Jersey, that is that heavy funded model that concerns me. Kind of goes it goes into what yeah. I was talking about with Uber yeah, and yeah, WeWork yeah. and that sort of yeah. thing. I don't. Ima- and again, I don't know their model. Oh, yeah, sure. So I would imagine that there's some sort of switch that gets flipped in their mind where they have all those people that have been bought, you know, and then they're kind of riding that out, and then they'll just stay out of comfort or something from there. Or maybe they'll go to EXP at the end of that, or or, or you know, another another brand that that comes out. But I mean, we're in that world where you can go out. And raise capital and raise capital. It seems like when you go public, that's that's when shit hits the fan because everybody yeah, sees the truth. truth. Truth is there. So I think if you just have a private company that never goes public, you, people just keep throwing money at it. I agree. All, all right, well, Century Twenty One, they're all white. <laughs> I'm glad I got him to say the unsugar coated answer. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. I think there are companies that are going to be very smart and are going to just 
you know, bring it in sure. and lean. Like you see Liberty Realty, they shut down their office at 131 Washington. Years ago, shut down the office in Jersey City. They're being very smart, yep. right? And they're, you know. Scaling back. Yeah, exactly. And giving more um, back to the agents. And, and giving more back and, you know, doing doing great things. Then there are other companies. Anybody who's opening their own brokerage or a franchise of a brokerage Nuts. right now is good luck. The only way Not- that makes sense, only single way, is if you already have an established crazy book of business crazy. and two or three other ventures such as maybe a mortgages maybe Profit a title yeah. yeah maybe you have an attorney on staff that are you already do a, cranking an accountant we have yeah. like a one-stop shop five people five horses and yeah, it's a navy plug seal and style and, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, tough yeah. to yeah. see agents really good smart agents thinking about doing this what's going to happen is over the next few weeks we're you're going to see us partner with a couple of independent brokerages that are big, that are really good businesses that they saw it. And they were like, why would I keep, and this answers one of your questions before is like, why would I keep myself open to the viability of being a broker, paying the, you know, insurance for everybody, paying the workers comp, you know, all of these things. And then all of my relationships, not only in the tri-state, but all around the country, when I help them, I'm not seeing anything. And now they have the opportunity for revenue share. Sure reputable, really strong brokerages. And what I think is going to happen is when everybody sees how well that goes for them, how much they grow, how much more money they make, how much less stress they have, just by not even losing their brand, partnering their brand, and just maybe not letting go of their ego, but putting it in the right place, there's going to be massive growth. And I, and I don't know who they are, but I think we're all going to be surprised by the independent brokerages that decide to partner with us and just because it makes so much sense. And the growth is not stopping. It's yeah. not stopping. And all the myths that everybody's right throwing up, out, right up, like yeah, yeah. those are dispelled by now. And it, yeah. and it came back to bite them because right. people are like, wait, they said this. And I looked into it. When people start doing the right thing, right. stop trying to bash right. brokerages. Focus on yourself. Work to, yeah, work together. Yep. It's not that big a deal. Like we, we're all doing fine, right? But I think we're going to be doing way more than fine, especially when the brokerages start to convert more in our area. So to my unsure questions, I think a lot of them are, are going to be gone. The smart ones are going to either scale back or partner with the right people. You see that happening already within those brokerages. Um, and when people finally decide to take a look and say, and how could this really benefit me, my family, and the agents at my brokerage? It's going to be a wild ride. We're going to be up to three hundred and over 300 agents within the next three weeks in less than a year. Huge. Yeah. Huge. So how can everybody find you? If they want more information on you and your brand, what's the best way to find you guys? ElevateDominate.com is the best place for uh, agents to go just to kind of, you could sign up for a free 30-minute call with myself, Brett Seiku. Events that we're doing uh, will be distributed out to you through there. It's a really you know basic site uh, to just go and kind you of can hop into our mastermind too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Once you sign up in there, you could come and join our Monday mastermind call at a, every day, every Monday at uh, 11 a.m. where we have some amazing guests. You were on there, uh, you know, Dan Beer, Matt Ferry was on there, Aaron Novello. Um, it's it's an amazing weekly call, so we'll let you jump in there. Um, so just go to. ElevateDominate.com. If you want to contact me, you could hit me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, that kind of gets a little wonky, so I don't check Facebook that much. So, so guys, if you're going to take your business to the next level and align with the right people, I believe more now so than ever, the market calls for strategic alliances. And if you don't have a strategic alliance, you're never going to get as far as you ever want to be, whether it's the right mortgage person, accountant, attorney, financial advisor, 
coach, insurance guy, you know, again, really double down on that. Check out elevatedominate.com and I hope we can continue this conversation. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.